You're listening to the Sexual Wellness Sessions with Kate Moyle. Today's conversation was brought to you by the Yes Yes Company, who produce natural personal lubricants, vaginal moisturizers and intimate washes. Established in 2003, Yes is leading the revolution in ethical intimacy products and they are passionate about intimate health and serious about sexual pleasure. Their products are hypoallergenic and certified organic by the Soil Association, made from ethically sourced plant-based ingredients without parabens, glycerin or hormones. This makes them ideal for pregnant and postnatal couples looking for a natural way to restore comfortable sex and relief from vaginal dryness which can be brought on by hormonal fluctuations. Today we're talking all about postnatal sex lives and my brilliant guest is the pelvic health physiotherapist Claire Bourne. Claire's particularly passionate about caring for women during and after pregnancy and with all things pelvic health related and it's something that we've joined forces on before to demystify the postnatal sex lives conversation to offer useful and helpful information and for people to know a bit more about what to expect. So Claire I guess I think a really good place for us to kick off this conversation would be by explaining a bit more about what pelvic health physio actually is. It's sometimes called men's health physio or women's health physio, but it's something that a lot of people have never even heard of. Of course, yeah. So um, women's health is really like a a little subspecialty of physio. So we all train as physiotherapists, but then as time goes on, uh, we do kind of additional courses um, in sort of pelvic health so our real understanding and specialism is around the pelvic floor um, and obviously that really relating to sex and incontinence and things like that so um, we're a group of physios who look after women throughout lives with varying of problems um, so that could be younger girls who've got pain the first time they're having sex that might be a pregnant lady who's got back pain it might be a postnatal mum who's got pain with sex or incontinence or it might be a menopausal lady who's struggling with prolapse or um, pelvic floor dysfunction as well so yeah real range um, but we're really specialists in those topics whereas yes we could treat someone's shoulder <laughs> but it's not really our specialism um, in the same way so but yeah I, my real passion is pre and postnatal um, helping women recover from birth uh, whether that be from incontinence or prolapse or sex um, so yeah that's what I love to talk about and what we're going to talk about here today yeah um, which is I think a really important um, topic to talk about and a really important thing to discuss because postnatally so many women struggle with sex being painful or uncomfortable or feeling that like their bodies have changed or yeah. feeling out of control of their bodies and actually women's health physio is a really good way of helping them to gain some control over that. And a lot of women's health physios kind of offer postnatal MOTs. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I think that's really important. I think what's so f- interesting is like women always say to me, you know, during pregnancy, I was so looked after, I had all these appointments and then it got to um, my postnatal time and okay, I saw the midwives for the first few days and maybe I had some stitches that they were checking and then really you know it becomes a six week maybe eight week check with your GP which in some places in the country don't happen so you may not actually see anybody or you may see a GP who has 10 minutes to, cl- to 
to whittle off lots of different things they need to check with you. Um, a lot of the times that doesn't actually include a physical examination for women. Um, and also sometimes at six to eight weeks, you're not even sure what you're meant to feel. Lots of mm. us probably haven't returned to having sex at six to eight weeks as well. So you're like, well, I'm just, it might be fine. But you know, you're not at that point to even really discuss it. Um, so I think it's really, really key to have the option and, and women understand that actually, you know, there is there are physiotherapists that help with this and I think that's a really key thing that women just don't even know we exist um, and even now when I people say oh so what you know you're a physio what do you do and I'm like oh I look after and they're like what 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 even physio is that I didn't know you could get a physio for the pelvic floor um so yeah so obviously on the NHS we do treat women who are symptomatic so if you went to your GP and you were incontinent or you were having pain with sex or things like that you know with that particular thing in mind um ideally they would refer you to women's health or pelvic health physios now i can't always guarantee that is the case but that would be the ideal um privately there are a number of women's health physios who work across the country and um they provide yes this kind of postnatal check mummy mot uh, so you can come at any point postnatal it doesn't have to be six to eight weeks some women come to me at two years postnatal because they've just not got around to it until that point um and we'll do a thorough assessment of of you as a mum and really whatever you come in with we're there to discuss Um, so we different for every woman Um, but one of those things will be checking your pelvic floor and maybe any scar tissue from tears that you had um, checking your pelvic floor strength you know chatting to you about sex how it is is there any pain is there any discomfort Uh, but not just about pain and discomfort like is it as pleasurable as it used to be um Mm. and things like that because I think you know we're almost like delighted as long as it's not painful but Mm. (laughs) there's also a whole other element of like yes but is it is it you know are you back to where you want to be is it how you feel you used to feel or because I think as mums we can get so good at just being like well you know what am I meant to expect a baby came out of there if you had a vaginal birth (laughs) um and I think we get we're very good at putting ourselves at the bottom of the pile and feeling like mm. you can never be who you were again before um and yeah and I so I think that's really important that we meet mums where they're at um but also give them this kind of idea that you are really important as well and you know for children relationships with your partner are really important um you know family environment is important for children and actually you and your partner's relationship however that looks for you, is really key. And I think Mm. it really saddens me when women feel they can't get help for that and it's bringing problems into their relationship. Um, And and feeling like that's almost like not as important as everything else going on in their lives. And I'm like, no, that's really important. You know, your your self-confidence, your body confidence, your relationship is just so key for all parts of your life. And... um, I, I really think we should be better at supporting mums in that area. And I think that you use the word body confidence there, and I think that it's really important when it comes to postnatal because not only have our bodies completely transitioned through numerous stages and we kind of go from pregnancy to childbirth to recovery and we don't just bounce back, in inverted commas. No. And so I think that but the body confidence thing in relating to the pelvic floor is things like being worried about leaking. Yes. Or, you know, I speak to lots of women who are scared about having sex yeah. again because they're worried that their body will feel different to them or different yes. to their partners. They're worried about leaking because it's something they've been experiencing or they've been having incontinence or yeah. 
Um, and I think those are the things, you know, body confidence isn't just totally. everything we can see, mm-hmm. but it's everything we feel as well. Yes, and 100%. I think that there's a kind of irony in the fact that we only hear really about the pelvic floor for the first time yes. in pregnancy. And then it's the thing that we hear again and again and again and again and again. Yes. And then we get told as soon as we've had the baby that we have to continue to work on our pelvic floor. But it's actually such a central part of kind of bodily health throughout our lives. And so suddenly we've had this information thrust on us and we're thinking, oh my God, I've got to really focus on this and I've got to make sure I do it and do it enough and do it the right way. And it's not ingrained into us that it's something that has kind of fitted into our routine. We haven't naturally absorbed that information over a long period of time absolutely and it becomes this like oh not another thing and it's weird that it kind of comes into your life when you just have you know you have more than anything else you know any other time in your life you've not had as much as like looking after a newborn and now you're being like oh now you need to do these other things as well and Mm. make sure you know your pelvic floor health is brilliant and you're you know you're ready to have sex and you're like I'm not even sleeping (laughs) and I'm meant to be returning to exercise and returning to sex and you know, I can't even go to the toilet on my own. You know, it's just like so it's such a bizarre time in life. And I think um, I totally agree. I think actually if it was just we were all aware of it a lot earlier, it wouldn't just become suddenly this thing that sprung upon us. It would just be part of our lives. And I loads of women ask me, so when can I just stop doing these exercises? And I'm like, well, it's just not really like that. You know, it's like if you stop doing any exercise, your muscles in your body will will change. You know, if we don't keep using muscles, they weaken. So, Mm. you know, yes, okay, we don't have to do as many as we would have done in that kind of immediate postpartum period. But pelvic floor isn't just something that we should really just pick up and drop. It is a lifestyle thing, like exercises for the rest of our body, for our cardiac health, for our, you know, uh, um, all a bone health. You know, exercise is is just way more than um, for a certain period in our life. And I think... um, hopefully in years to come that will be different and I think if we can change like you know children's education and I think you know when we come to talking about sex you know and I know there's lots of people campaigning and wanting to make changes in this area you know girls boys as well you know men have a pelvic floor as well but I think my obviously my work with younger girls in their sort of late teens 20s Um, experiencing painful sex and that being the beginning of their journey and not even understanding you know pelvic floor being a part of that but actually if they weren't educated at school about you know when they're doing sex ed what is involved in sexual pleasure not just how do you not get pregnant because pretty sure everyone's aware of that now (laughs) but just actually what are the positive things about you know sexual relationships and and just understanding your body as a woman I just think would be setting up women better for life um Mm. and And the the sex is fun and you know I know I talk a lot about it being the kind of traditional model is reproduction education it's not yeah that's so true that is such a good point yeah exactly and which is obviously incredibly important and we all need that education but I just would love to see how girls can just be educated more about the but you know and periods and and understanding their whole cycle and all that sort of stuff i mean it's vast isn't it and we should all be able to understand that um i know i certainly didn't until i was an, an adult and even i think more so because i went into pelvic health i still know a lot of friends who don't have some of that understanding um 
so yeah I think it's just such an important topic and one that is difficult to talk about and very sometimes hard to ask for help um I was you know there's an interesting study which is actually from a number of years ago now in 2005 but looking actually women uh, having postpartum uh, return to sex postpartum and even though it was something like 83% of women reported some pain with sex in the first three months only 15% asked for help which is mm. tiny um, and is that because they thought that's just what they should expect or is it because they just never you know, because a lot of them were saying you know yeah I was asked about contraception but no one actually yeah. asked, is sex okay? Mm. <laughs> you know, fine, I can tell you how not to get pregnant again, but, you know, the fact that your sex life may have drastically changed, we're not going to discuss that. Um, and I thought that was really profound, actually. Are we just not asking women and we're not giving the right them the opportunity? Questions. Yeah, and they don't even know... Because women message me and they're like, I don't know if this is normal or not. Like, should I be feeling like this at six months postpartum? Is it... Is that normal? Whatever normal is, you know. Mm. Um, and I think the key thing is that everyone is different. So it's, there is no one size fits all for the postpartum period. But I think, you know, for women to, you know, sex should not be painful at whatever point you are. Um, yeah. And we don't educate women on just some of the foundational facts, you know, like that we talk about a lot, like when you're breastfeeding, your estrogen levels are lower, your vaginal tissues are drier. Okay, mm -hmm. great. So if you knew that, you'd probably <laughs> expect it to be a little bit more uncomfortable. Or if and it's, it's one of the things that I always talk to people about is, you know, if you are breastfeeding, lubricant is an essential. Just an essential, if you are yes. Having penetrative sex again because your your body is working against you in some way, but it's it's not something that people typically know. No, and then they go all. to have sex and it's painful, yes. and they, or they go to have intercourse and it's painful and that's the least motivating thing oh, to yeah. want to do it again. Totally. But there's an easy way of working around that. Totally. And again, if we educated women about that in antenatal classes or just, you know, at any point, mm. you know, I think we'd be setting up women and men and relationships for a much better postpartum period. Because um, I think the thing is you hear this like six weeks, great. And I know, you know, I've had friends who are like, well, it's been six weeks, so like, great, we're just right to have sex again. And I'm like... You know, your body's been through an awful lot in that six weeks <laughs> and mm. um you know if you've had a vaginal tear that's brand new and you've had some um you know obviously you'll have new scar tissue there um that's going to be sensitive um and actually maybe massaging it before you go back to having sex um penetrative sex would be really beneficial again mm. who's telling women and women that? can have episiotomies as well so yes. where instead of tearing it's a cut it's, it's a cut. the same the same thing and interesting in this study it looks like episiotomies were affecting women more than actually any tear even certain fourth degree tears which i think is really really profound um mm. but again there's no follow-up for women who have an episiotomy and how many women have episiotomies it's a lot um and whereas third and fourth degree tears, actually, we're very good at looking after those women. Um, mm. There's generally a lot more follow up. But women who have an episiotomy, it's like, oh, it's just an episiotomy, off you go. Um, and yeah. actually, I find it's that kind of cohort of women that feel very lost and actually unsupported um, and generally have, I think, more problems as well. I think because an episiotomy is definitely done on one side, it brings a lot of imbalance to the kind of connective tissue and muscles, whereas sometimes tearing. I mean, it can also be on one side, but sometimes it's a little bit more sporadic rather than just being very intentional on one side, if that makes mm. sense. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, you know, as, as key as it is to do your pelvic floor exercise, it's it's not just about, okay, let's just 
do your squeezes and you're done. It's about the whole yeah. pelvic floor health, you know. And obviously when we work with women a lot, actually a lot of the women that you see us have a very tight pelvic floor. Again, not often talked about. So like any muscle, we need it to have a lovely range of movement and we need it to contract and we need it to fully let go. Yeah. And if any muscle, especially the pelvic floor, is in this sort of slightly tightened state all the time, and that can happen in a lot of us, obviously if we're talking about the postpartum period, that is generally because there might be new scar tissue there or you've maybe had a traumatic birth and there's a lot of, you know, emotion. Holding tension. Exactly. And you may not even be aware of it. Also, it's quite a stressful time in our lives. We're not really relaxed. You know, when you're on call for a baby all the time, you have a lot of adrenaline in your system. You're in this kind of like fight or flight all the time because you're on call for that baby every few hours. It's very hard to almost find your body in a completely relaxed state. Um, and actually, when your body's in that state, your pelvic floor is responsive to that. Um, so a number of reasons. But actually, a lot of women postpartum, when, when I meet them in clinic, and I'm sure it's the same for you, well, we actually have to say, let's just stop squeezing. <laughs> and let's mm. actually just do some breath work. Let's do some lovely, relaxed breathing. Let's learn to let that pelvic floor go. Maybe do some scar tissue release. And then we'll work on the squeeze and let go. Because it needs to be all of those bits of the picture. Um, mm. and, I think and the relax is as important as the tensing. 100%. And I always describe it like an arm. You know, if you went to the gym and all you did was like tense, 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 tense with a with a bicep curl and a dumbbell, you know, if you're not letting that arm go, you're not actually contracting that muscle. You're not going to get that bicep that you so desire. <laughs> it's the same mm. with the pelvic floor. You have to let it go to let it contract properly and let it go again. Um, and I think, again, the message is, though the message of pelvic floor health is improving, I think sometimes that message is like, just squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. And from a clinical, I mean, this isn't, the research and this is just my clinical experience i'm actually having to take women on the other bit of the journey to be like okay you're doing actually okay with your squeezing we just need to actually yeah. do some down training and let let go mm. and when it comes to sex i think that's just one of the key key things well being able to relax the pelvic floor is an important part of penetrative sex being comfortable 100 percent, 100 and we also know that the pelvic floor muscles play a big role in orgasm totally and sexual pleasure so yeah. i think that um that wave of muscular contraction that we experience in orgasm yeah you know, the pc muscles the pelvic floor are playing a big part in that but yeah. again it's a, a part that we never really discuss totally exactly and i think that's really important isn't it yes we talk a lot about pain painful uh, postpartum sex but actually it may not be painful but it may just not be that pleasurable and you mm. may just feel like actually your whole you know, your orgasm is loads weaker and your actual just pleasure is 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 really reduced and that's as important as it being painful i think sometimes when we just don't have pain we're like oh well at least it's not painful but you mm -hmm. know sexual wellness is much more than just the absence of pain 100 <laughs> um, percent. and i often talk to people about moving from kind of um their understanding of what's going on for them or their perspective or their experience we talk about i talk about a scale of um, painful, uncomfortable, comfortable, pleasurable. And we talk about yes, where they are right. on that scale or on those yeah. different sections. And quite often, you know, I, I think a huge part of this is the perception of postnatal sex. So the yes. reason that so many people struggle on when sex is painful postnatally is because they think, oh, that's just inverted commas again, normal. Yeah. Back to that famous word, you know, it's yes. normal. I should expect that sex hurts postnatally. I should expect that it's painful. And yes, okay, it might be uncomfortable or you might take a bit of getting used to initially, but there are things like lubricant that can help you. And there are also ways that you can be sexual without 
penetration without intercourse, which is a thing I really want us to to focus on as well. Yeah. But I think that we have a lot of work to do in shaping people's perceptions of what their postnatal sex life should be like. Totally, totally. Um, and I think that's I think that's just spot on. It is about expectations. I think in lots of areas of the postpartum period, isn't it? Um, mm. Whatever that, whether that be parenting or your what your body's going to look like, or um, yeah, you know, impacts on your relationship apart from sex. You know, it's just so yeah. many things. I think we just sort of like just drop women off slightly off a cliff, and I know that's what women feel like. Um, and yeah, it's it. I think if we all just went in with a bit more eyes open on the topic. Um, mm we, we may have a, power yeah 100 percent, and and also just knowing that there are there is help you know there are people like you and there are people like me who are really passionate about helping women in this and I, I know I have loads of women who come into my clinic room and they're like but I'm the only one like all my friends have returned to sex and it's all fine I'm like really like I just you know if we have studies that show that 83 percent, I can't believe that all of your friendship group who've had babies have returned and it's been fine you know and sometimes mm. it's just that we haven't been confident enough to say to a friend how was it for you? Because I know that I am that friend that women come to. And I know that lots yes, of my so. friends, yeah, they've just, it's not, you know, it's its actually not been the easiest road. And um, yeah, opening up that conversation and breaking taboo and making it actually a topic that we can discuss is so, so mm. important. And I think just that expectation, you know, the general advice is you don't have penetrative sex, you don't have intercourse, um, until you've had your six or eight week checkup yes. with your GP. Now, as you said, your GP might not examine you at that appointment, but I think there's also um, a lot to be said for thinking about the expectation that people feel that places on them, how to communicate to their partners about that, because it isn't that there's yes. something kind of magically that happens at six weeks that means you change. It's just actually that you've had a recovery, a certain kind yes. of recovery window, and that's the, the number that's been decided. But that appointment doesn't automatically mean okay, we go home and we try and have sex this evening. Yes. It's a line in the sand, I suppose. But lots of people might psychologically not feel ready for restarting their sex lives at that point. And I think that the thing that I think is really important for us to discuss is we're trying to break up, and I know you you and I have talked a lot about this before, break up this model of all the emphasis being on intercourse. Because couples can connect sexually during that six week period but I mean it tends to be that everyone is just completely wiped out and sleep deprived things that are not six weeks going you're like where's six weeks gone (laughs) yeah and things that just don't boost desire you know feeling exhausted and covered in baby sick and breastfeeding and trying to juggle everything and manage to eat and shower (laughs) all of that is not conducive to feeling sexy or boosting desire but there are ways that couples can connect non-penetratively so without you know not just the pain but the fear of pain or the fear of sex being painful yes and I think that it's really important for people to remember that they can kiss and cuddle and touch they can have non-penetrative sex yes um you know that those things are all available and if you set a rule for yourselves and you just say do you know what I really want to feel close to you I want us to have some time or I appreciate that our physical relationship has taken a back step or, you know, it's an anniversary or birthday or, you know, whatever that motivation is, or I just want to have an orgasm. But you can do that in a way that doesn't jeopardise your experience because if you're highly anxious about the fact that sex might be painful, 
you're going to tense your pelvic floor, you're not going to yes. feel relaxed, you're not going to get as aroused, so there's going to be less lubrication. Yes. And I think vicious that... Cycle. Exactly, it's a really vicious cycle. And actually, what tends to happen is that if you force it, that becomes a negative sexual experience and that mm. kind of reinforces because the next time you go to have sex you're nervous again or you're anxious again so all of those things are going to happen your body's going to kind of fight against you yeah. because you're in that protective mode totally totally and you know the pelvic floor is very good at protecting us and um you know in some ways we need to celebrate that um mm. but it's exactly it's when that kind of wiring gets a little bit crossed and yeah. it gets associated with something that we don't want it to um and that's where there's that real mind body isn't it it's and that's where you know really if you are experiencing these this is why you need someone like you who you know will talk through the mind body connect and someone like me who's looking at that sort of more body mind connect you know and mm. looking at it from both sides you know you can't sex is not like other physical things that you're just like you can be very boundaried about it be like this is very physical you know i've got knee mm. pain it's a physical thing now, I don't believe any pain is just physical. There is always the mind involved. Me too. But, you know, I think when it comes to sex, it's, there's so many other elements, are there, like emotional and all those other things that... Yeah. Um, and also a whole other person <laughs> that it is just, involved. It, it just bridges the gap. It bridges, it bridges psychology and physicality, but also physiology, also culture, society, yes. like so much of the sex. If there's two people in that relationship happening between those two people is yeah. impacted by everything outside of those two people. And I think that often couples can get in a cycle of should sex. And yes. that particularly, like postnatally, I think that what we really need to kind of help people to understand is that there is another way of doing things, but also that they need to kind of learn how to reconnect with their bodies again. For lots of women, they might have had a traumatic birth. Yes. They might have felt like birth was quite invasive. They yes. might have felt like their partner saw them in a different light. Yes. They might have had to have lots of internal examinations yes. or an instrumental birth or an assisted birth. It comes really loaded. And the idea of then kind of going back towards the thing that, although it was for lots of people, the thing that they wanted to get yes. pregnant to have a baby. Yeah. It is really hard to connect with that thing again, totally. particularly if birth has been really difficult because we, we can't really escape the sex baby connect. Totally. Now, obviously, lots of people might have had IVF yeah. or um, pregnancies which weren't conceived through penetrative sex, through intercourse. I think that understanding that there is all of the psychology that goes with that and actually might, people might need a bit of help to heal, to recover, that there might be a longer window of recovery needed or mm -hmm. they might need to rebuild a relationship with their bodies or change the way they feel about their bodies or connect with their body in a way which recognizes that it isn't what it was before totally and I think there's a big amount of acceptance in that mm, definitely and I think that this really touches on a really important fact about kind of how you give birth as well you know so mm. we do talk a lot about you know okay I think women are like okay I had a vaginal birth I had some tearing sex makes sense that sex would be painful but then there's all the ladies who have cesareans, like abdominal birth. And mm -hmm. then they're like, well, how, why is sex painful for me? Because the baby didn't even come out of there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I mean, I think this is where birth trauma, you know, it can, cesareans can be an incredibly traumatic experience for women if that's not been 
you know what you wanted and the process to getting there the whole process of it being quite traumatic maybe the recovery being very challenging so you know i think that's one huge part i think the other kind of more from my physical brain where i'm thinking as well it's like obviously as we've discussed with breastfeeding that still hugely impacts you regardless of whether a baby did come out of your vagina or not and also cesarean scars are extensive you know they are long and where they sit in the body obviously it's low in the tummy um Mm. it's not far from the pelvic floor and the connective tissue is actually associated together um so what's going on in the lower tummy will influence the pelvic floor as well and if you were to see a physio we would be you know we would be looking very much at your tummy as well as your pelvic floor um it's not just a pelvic floor issue so a lot of women I will get doing kind of cesarean section massages again something that we don't really talk about much women aren't really educated about um so yeah I think you know it's really important that women know however you've given birth whatever your experience it can impact sex and you just don't need to be like well that can't be relevant for me because this was my story um Mm. everyone's story you know it links in and um and I think it's you know sometimes even just the thought of looking at your body after having a baby can be traumatic you know just having someone else touch your body you know I know when women come into clinic and see me about these sort of topics and even just to allow me to touch the cesarean scar brings tears because the association Mm. and the reminder of what that means is incredibly traumatic and you know I think we don't talk enough about post-traumatic stress after birth you know I think we just don't ever think that birth bringing a baby into the world would bring something like uh, post-traumatic stress disorder you know we just Mm. don't necessarily link those two but there are a number of women who do experience that and um again it can be something that we kind of ignore or we just don't engage with or we don't even think is a thing that we could be experiencing um and i think so my message would be to women if you are thinking wow i feel really traumatized or i can't even talk about these things you know that is a real sign that um you know that that's been a very traumatic experience for you and um whatever time you're ready to go and discuss that with someone or it might just be a friend you know just start the conversation um because it's not in your head it's not something that you have to put up with and i think it's really important to know that there are debrief services that are out there um Mm. in in hospitals and, and things are always changing but um there is help available there is help available exactly and um you just start in that conversation that might be your gp it may be going you know you can request your medical notes and yes you may not understand a lot of it but some of it might be helpful for you just to read through and understand the process because you know, when we give birth i mean i don't know about you but i just don't remember half that i it's very patchy <laughs> bits of that <laughs> happened you know and um i got my medical notes for my first birth and i read it through and i was like wow i don't remember some of these things or people asking me these things you know you just don't remember mm. but sometimes you know i agree sometimes reading it won't be helpful sometimes reading it so i'd always recommend you try and do it with a medical professional um but i just think that is a really important part so i don't just feel like you've got to just brush it under the carpet because it's been done now um all these bits are important for our healing, um, whether that be mind or body, um, after having a baby. And I think that the thing that I know as a psychotherapist is that if we are really in our heads because we're anxious, we're mm. scared, we're preoccupied, we are stressed, we feel like we need to disassociate or disconnect from what's going on, that can completely sever the ties almost or push what we're experiencing in our bodies into the background. Yeah. And the best sex that people report having 
is when they aren't thinking about anything at all. Yeah. So when we talk about kind of mindful sex, what we're not saying is it's not mindless sex. There's nothing yes. in your mind. It's directing your attention non-judgmentally towards, for example, experiencing pleasure or towards the sensation of touch. Or yeah. And I think those techniques can be quite easily implemented by people into their lives, into mm. their sex lives, into life in general. And I would say are really great for anyone, really. Mm. We think that we're tuning into our experiences. And actually, I think that mums particularly are very in their heads. So we're thinking about the next thing they've yes. got to do or is the baby going to wake up or totally. what time's next feed or <laughs> yeah. God, my boobs are feeling sensitive or, you know, and, 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 and. And, you know, I'm not saying this isn't exclusively a, a mum problem, but no. a, a parent problem. Yes. Um, but that really takes us out of a sexual headspace. Yes. And we don't necessarily create the opportunities for responsive desire to happen. And we know that sexual desire is largely responsive. And so no wonder in that postnatal period or period of having young babies or young children, we miss out on opportunities to kind of melt into that sexual space yes. and for, to allow desire to happen, us to respond to it, which are a lot of the ways that we used to have sex or a lot of the ways that people typically would have those sexual experiences together. And because we are doing feeds at different times yes. or, you know, one person's dealing with the baby, the other person needs to sleep or we yes. sleep on rotation, whatever, whatever is going yeah. on. And so people then say, God, but we just haven't had any sexual contact for ages yeah. and I think that not panicking about that yes. is also really important and what I would say to people is just try and make an effort to connect physically in a little way so it could be yeah. a 10 second kiss in the morning and a 10 second kiss at night or um, a extended hug those kind of things make opportunities for physical contact to be there but for it to also be non-sexual so it doesn't feel yes scary yeah because absolutely. you need to get used to each other again yeah absolutely absolutely and I think that's the thing it's like parenting journey is a is a huge learning curve for everybody and you're almost having to like realign with who you are aren't you in mm. just as a person um you know all your priorities change and it's really hard for a man as well you know like he's probably been you he's been your first priority and now suddenly he's sharing you with this baby <laughs> but his connection with the baby is probably very different to your connection with the baby and his expectations of a physical recovery is very different to yours because he's never experienced it um so you know it's just there's so many different things and there's so many cogs that are turning and um I think you know what you say is like communication is lubrication mm. I love that phrase and it's just so true you know I think it's so easy to not make space to, and time to even talk um, mm. And actually, how can we expect to be physical with another human if we've not even really talked to them? It's just bizarre, yeah. isn't it? It just feels really like disconnecting. Um, and you're like, so I think, yeah, just getting time in the diary, even just to make sure that, you know, that night you've not made a call with a friend or you're not trying to fit in an exercise class and you just have protected time just to be a couple and mm. talk about things that you want to talk about and that excite you. And I think that's another thing as a woman. It's it's so important to do things that excite you just as a person because actually if actually everything you feel you're doing is just giving out to other people 
and you just don't feel even yourself it's very hard then to meet someone else isn't it in that place um, mm-hmm. and there can be a lot of jealousy whoever your partner is you know oh they're going out they're doing these things um you know they're getting to they don't have to be here at this time to feed a small baby and they can sleep all night you you can get into these like ruts can't you of like comparison and you know slight um you know being kind of frustrated with the other person because they have a different life to you and I'm not saying any of those feelings are wrong I think it's just important to be honest about those feelings and get them out on the table so everyone's aware Mm. (laughs) of where you're at and they'll have different feelings and and making sure that those things are discussed as well um because it's all part of the picture and yeah absolutely and I, I couldn't agree with you and I think I also wanted to kind of um do a nod there to same-sex couples or for example couples who've had children through surrogacy or children through like adoption or anything you know it's it's still that your life has turned upside down almost overnight even though you knew it was happening and you know you knew it was coming yeah and I think that it's just recognizing yes absolutely I think that sometimes you sometimes feel like oh, well, I wanted this, but this this isn't what I wanted. You know, it's that weird thing. Mm-hmm. It's like I wanted to have a baby, but the change to my life, I didn't want this, you know? And I think sometimes hard to have those two tension points. Um, and ultimately, like, parenting is hard in many ways. Mm-hmm. You know, it is absolutely the most highs and the most lows. And um, I think when it comes to sex, all of it is part of the picture, isn't it? Mm. Um, you can't just be like, it's just a physical act because actually everything you've gone through that day or whatever time of the day you choose to have sex, but whatever's gone on before it, you're bringing actually into the bedroom, aren't you? Or whatever yeah. room. Um, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's just really important just, I think, almost to self-examine where am I at? Because actually, if we don't even know where we're at, it's really hard to take that into the relationship, isn't it? And yeah. um and I think, you know, from a physio point of view, I really encourage women to bring their partner, whoever their partner is, into the session so we can all talk about it. Because I think what sometimes, you know, the women that we work with feel is like, this is my fault. You know, mm. I've got the pain. The pain is mine. Um, if only I didn't have pain, we would be fine. But I'm like, you can't, we can't just put all the blame on you. And once you're sorted, everything will be fine. You know, it just doesn't work like that. It's it's a team thing and and partners are often really nervous about hurting, hurting exactly yeah. exactly and you know and actually once they know they've hurt you it can really affect their libido can't it because mm-hmm. they're then afraid as well and and it's it's you know it's so interrelated so i think um you know if you and your your partner are struggling with any of this you know it's about coming at it together um and i think if you feel like you're being blamed or whatever it's important to express that to you know a friend or a a medical professional get those emotions kind of attended to and um you know try and work at it together as a team yeah and I think one of the things that I say all the time um is that take I mean bad use of word but take baby steps and so I talk to couples a lot about establishing physical contact first so whether it's kind of kissing or hugging or touching or you know if they're really nervous about getting into sex almost kind of building up from scratch so lying on a bed together in your underwear or in clothing whatever makes you feel comfortable and just kind of lying in each other's arms having that physical connection even if it's just for five minutes yes and just 
kind of allowing yourself to get comfortable next to each other's bodies again. And it also allows your brain's anxiety response, which is, oh God, this is going to lead to sex. I'm feeling really nervous and tense to calm down a bit because you can reason with yourself and say, there is nothing that's going to hurt me here. We're just lying here. Set the expectations out at the start. So say, this is just for us to get comfortable with each other again. This is just for me to feel relaxed again. So both of you are aware of the situation. And what it also means is that your partner and you feel like you are connecting you feel like even though most people kind of want the baby that they're going to have or they want that addition they want to have become a family it means that you don't feel completely dropped or abandoned or lost or deprioritized and actually I think that that sense of never having your partner's undivided attention or full attention or care or affection tends to be the thing that brings people to therapy a lot more than we're not having sex anymore. And I think that you can build up from that to more kind of intimacy to non-penetrative sex and then up to intercourse slowly. Now, the, the key ingredient for postnatal sex lives for me is lube every time I think that the yes organics lubricants are brilliant brilliant, so a side note to anyone who is venturing into kind of using lubricants for the first time if you're postnatal don't use anything with a tingle or a scent or a flavor because you don't want anything that's going to cause you more irritation or cause a strange sensation especially if you're feeling a bit nervous anyway yes um so I think that they're great they're all organic and all natural and the other key ingredient for me is communication um you know I I think three of the key things for any sex life are communication curiosity and lube (laughs) (laughs) more than ever especially here and I think that helping to finding a way to connect even if it's just a stolen moment or a passionate kiss and sex tends to fall to the bottom of lots of people's agendas when they are in that kind of postnatal stage but there are ways that you can find to connect and you might only have to invest five minutes in the relationship with your partner but that five minutes can make all the difference yes absolutely absolutely can agree with and I think um I just want to make sure as well that women know that if we talk a lot about like uncomfortable and and painful don't we but I think if sex feels like impossible because the tissues feel raw within the vagina that really does need like medical attention because what can happen is that uh, wounds overheal and you get something called kind of overgranulation tissue Mm. and actually you can lube all you like and you can try and push through but that needs like you know it's not like an emergency at all, but it needs to be addressed by a doctor or a specialist midwife uh, because it generally needs a bit of treatment to be removed. Um, and mm-hmm. often once it's gone, sex is fine again. Um, but it will look very bright red. So if you did have a look, you may not always be able to see it, but sometimes women will be like, I've got this really bright area of you know, like a red tissue. What is that? Um, and sometimes I'll pick that up in clinic. But yeah, if it's like raw feeling, um, please do just straight to see a doctor about it and just don't try and push through or do any of the other things we've discussed um because actually even massaging it it's not going to help it'll be so painful to touch and um, so mm-hmm. i just wanted to make sure i remember to say that because i that is something i do find women and actually doctors don't always deal with it brilliantly they don't necessarily know about it um that's why you need to get into like a specialist clinic to be reviewed if you feel that something isn't right do go totally. back to your doctor do see a women's health physio yes. do see a gynecologist because 
it shouldn't be continuously painful. No. But I think so many people think, God, I haven't got time yes. to go for that appointment. Totally. You know, I think a lot of women's health physios, if they're doing MOTs, they expect you to have your baby Crikey, with you. Yeah, I'm like, they're like, can I bring a baby? I'm like, yeah. Like, I'm so, I've, had, I've treated women with babies in slings, babies on one hip. You know, sometimes the receptionist has the baby. You know, we just make it work. The message is mm. that we will make it work. If you can get here, we'll make it work because you are important and you don't need to have got loads of childcare sorted or you know um you know make sure you've done a feed and then you're running here and then you're stressed because you need to get back you know I'm just like you can breastfeed in your session you can do what you can bottle feed in your session you can do whatever you need to do just come let's get this sorted for you because you are important and I think that is just the key message and I love it it's like self-care isn't like me instead it's me too you know it's mm. like you are just as important and actually you are important for your baby's well-being if you're not doing well, your baby is going to struggle in many ways, you know, and um, that happy mum, happy baby thing, you know, is key, isn't it? Um, we need to look after ourselves and we as medical professionals need to be looking after mums better. And I hope that we are hit 2020. Times are changing and I hope times will continue to change. Um, and I think having conversations like this, this wouldn't have happened maybe 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Mm. Um, and that's exciting that these things are being talked about more openly um, and more women, you know, and more celebrities are happy to say, you know, actually sex wasn't great for me or I've been struggling or this that, and the other. And I think the more we talk about and the power of social media, isn't it? For all of its negatives that we often discuss, there are so many positives and these sort of discussions happening more and more. Um, it's exciting. And I think the more women also who go to doctors and say, I'm not willing to accept this, that will also demand change, won't it? Because mm. more and more. Um, and I think, you know, if you've seen a doctor and they just say, oh, there's nothing I can do, see another one. <laughs> and keep seeing them until someone helps you because you will find a doctor who will um and it's just maybe they haven't been made aware or it's not been part of their training or they trained a long time ago it may just be something that they are also just not familiar with um mm. but there are others out there who absolutely are and, and there will be help for sure and I think that lots of women report kind of in those appointments that they feel that the conversation about contraception is there. And I think yeah. you know, um, contraception is something we do need to kind of mention for this postnatal totally. sex conversation because you do need to be using yes. contraception from the point that you start having penetrative sex yes, again. It is, you, it is possible to get pregnant when <laughs> you're breastfeeding. <laughs> exactly. Despite all of the kind of historical myths, all the historical stories, but it is possible to. So making sure that that is another thing you don't need to worry about. Yes. So you know that you are protected. You know totally. that, you know, you've you've done everything you can to look after yourself. Because for me as a, obviously I come from it from the kind of psychotherapeutic, emotional perspective, but I want people to be going into their postnatal sex lives, feeling in control, making informed decisions and that they can be as relaxed as possible, as comfortable as possible yeah. with this new stage in their sex lives. Totally. And that's another thing that you just don't need to be worrying about. 100%. Oh, what a lovely discussion. <laughs> I feel like we've put the world to rights here. <laughs> I know, we always do, don't we? <laughs> um, and Claire, thank you so much for your time. No and I would love to, um, A, you to tell people where they can find out a bit more about you. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram as Clareborn Physio. I'm sharing lots of different things there. I work for a company called Six Physio. Um, so I'm on their website and they've got a whole team of women's health physios who are really passionate about that. So those are probably the best places to find me. Amazing. And one more thing to finish is I would love to know what your key tip for sexual wellness and well-being would yeah. be. I think 
as you say, if, if it's something doesn't feel right, it's not. But just for you to get in tune with your body, you know, after birth, don't be afraid to have a look. Don't be afraid to have a feel. And um, yeah, invest some time in your body, um, whatever that looks like, because that will help you as you go into your sex life. Amazing. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for chatting. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sexual Wellness Sessions. If you'd like to join us for more conversations, you can click subscribe on either Apple or Spotify podcasts. And if you have a moment, please leave us a review.